Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photo editor Jesse Ryder, who is the current photo editor of Golf Magazine. Jesse has spent over 10 years working in the Golf Magazine photo department, where he began as an intern and worked his way up to senior photo editor. In this interview, I speak to Jesse about how he got into photography some of his early experiences working at the magazine. And I also speak to him about how he finds new photographers. Jesse is someone who has a wealth of knowledge about photography and the photography industry. So I was excited to get a chance to speak with him. So I hope you enjoy it. And thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, Jesse Ryder, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this, dude. Thank you very much for inviting me on. I'm excited to talk some photography some golf uh we're on the eve of the Ryder cup so i'm really excited to talk to you uh-oh yeah yeah <laughs> uh but i guess just to kind of get started i was just kind of curious uh uh where you grew up and like what are kind of some of your earliest memories of photography um so i was born in new york uh grew up here in manhattan that's where we are right now okay um for a number of years and then uh, ended up moving out to uh, Western Massachusetts for oh, wow. a long time. Um, ended up uh, going to school out there for a while, um, always coming back to the city where my father lived, uh, back and forth. And um, my earliest memories of photography were probably looking through some of my grandparents' old photo albums. Um, they were born and bred New Yorkers and um, always had some so I don't know what camera they had but they were just really awesome family snapshots that I loved to flip through the albums and, and check out what they were wearing in the uh, in the uh, 60s which is always really you know I got a kick out out of when I was a kid and um, I think my first true memory of, of real photography was when my dad started taking pictures of my sister and I okay um, he had two Nikon FN, FM somethings, um, and that's the, the first real camera I remember being around in, in my life. Yeah. Um, and I actually still have those cameras. They're sitting on my uh, dresser in my uh, house. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I love looking at I actually collect, like, old photos from, like, I'll go to, like, garage sales, and I just collect, like, old family photos. Mm-hmm. I have, like, albums of, like, family. I don't even know who they are, but I just love them because, like, if you think about, like, old family photos pre, like, digital, like, way back in the day, like taking a family photo was like a big thing because they had to Definitely. spend the money for the film. So I, I love looking at that stuff. It's just like classic. Uh, I mean, it's been said over and over again that all of our digital files are going to be nothing yeah. in several years. And these prints and these photos and these negatives and transparencies, they still hang around and they're still there to look at and feel and touch and yeah it's just it's a great thing to have yeah definitely and it's i mean it's good and bad i guess because like on one hand like shooting on your like phone i think it's going to be interesting in like 20 years or especially if you have a kid like you're going to have photos of like every goddamn day from like time they're born to like when they're like 20 or whatever um but i think the thing about the old time photos it was like more of like a classic sitting of a portrait so it's kind of I I feel that you know those old photos people definitely took more time to take them Mm -hmm. in in terms of just the effort they put into it and also the people who were in the photo they they wanted to be there in the photo and pose and smile and and be shown Um, where today I think we're just kind of numb to the fact that everybody's taking photos all the time and 
you know, you're walking through the streets and you want to take some photo. People expect it now almost. Yeah, for real. Yeah, it's interesting. So I guess when did you kind of start picking up the camera and start shooting stuff? Because I know looking at your website, you, you shoot photos. I know you're, do, uh, you're a photo director for a golf magazine, but you're a photographer in your own right. Um, when did you kind of start getting into it? Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I've always kind of had this this love of, of images. Um, I think when I was younger, I didn't really kind of make the connection of what photography was. I just kind of knew that I liked what I was looking at. Um, and uh, I think it wasn't until about high school when I started to get more serious into photography. Um, one of my dad's friends was a must have been a freelance photographer, sports photographer when I was younger. And my dad ended up buying me the, the age-old uh, camera, the Pentax K1000, um, as my first camera with a 50mm lens. And um, I love that thing. And I mentioned I still have the Nikons. I still have that Pentax. Um, it's just great to kind of pick up every once in a while. Um, but that was like my first time that I really started to get into it was when I got that camera and started to realize that, like, this is a fun thing. And I don't even think at the time I realized that there was money or a profession to be had out of it. I just thought it was this cool new thing that was like fun. Yeah. You see something, you press the button or you mess with the dials and the maybe it comes out, maybe it doesn't. And I and you know, when I got to high school is when I started to get into darkroom work and um you know, everybody says it. The first time you see that print come out of the the um the chemicals, it's just you're hooked. You're hooked. I don't care who you are or what you're doing. You're hooked. It's just, it's magic. Yeah. And, um, you know, never really took it serious enough to say this is, you know, I, I know you have people on your podcast that said this is what I wanted to do from the get-go. I knew that I wanted to be a photographer. I never really had that feeling because, again, I never really made the connection that there was a profession or money to be made. I knew that there were these photographers out there making these beautiful images and I see ads and I see, you know, Rolling Stone magazine and stuff like that. So I knew it was there. I just never, my brain never made that connection. And um, then after high school into college, I kind of fell out of photography for Mm -hmm. a little bit and wasn't really kind of a big uh, motivator for me. It was always there in the back of my mind, but not just so much a motivator and um, ended up getting more into graphic design and things like that. And I think at one point, I made the decision that I wanted to be a graphic designer and I wanted to like make movie posters. I think that oh, was wow. like my, the big thing that I was like, that's what I want to do with my life is make movie posters. Cause I was really obsessed with uh, typography at the time and the way that type plays with f- photographs and a layout and how you would kind of take the mood of, for example, a movie poster and make it unique with the typeface and with yeah. the, you know, the art and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, this was around, uh, college. Uh, right. I was at city college in New York city at the time and I was pursuing graphic design and I just so happened to stop into my graphic design professor's office and asked if they knew of any internships. I just wanted to start working. I wanted to be doing layouts. I didn't know in what capacity, but that's what I wanted to do. You were hungry. You're like, I want to get in the mix. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was really hungry or if it's just like, it's I gotta start doing it. School wasn't really capturing my attention the way I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it just so happened she was a former creative director at Golf Magazine and knew the photo editor at the time was looking for an intern. Damn. I, long story short, she hooked us up through email, I think, and I went in, met with the then photo editor and the assistant photo editor, and I totally overdressed. I think I wore 
uh, a button-up shirt with nice shoes and a leather jacket like I was going to a real deal job interview <laughs> and when I met them they were just um, amazing they were really great and they kind of just said you're it you're gonna be our intern now and that's kind of how I started back into photography um, well that's pretty cool so what kind of stuff were you doing as an intern what did they kind of have you doing back then oh man it was really bottom rung stuff it was uh, it wasn't wasn't as much getting coffee, but um, I did a lot of, uh, so this is about in 2004 when I started with Golf Magazine, and it, and it makes me seem like I've, I'm a dinosaur since I've been there so long, but um, uh, it was about 2004, so film was still very much a big thing. Digital was, was definitely starting to, to get um, a hold, but we still used a lot of film. Mm. Um, so one of my first jobs at the magazine was to cut up swing sequences. Our, photo our staff photographer at the time, Fred Vuich, shout out to Freddie, um, he, uh, he would have this big giant Holter camera. It looked like a machine gun, a reel-to-reel -reel machine gun. Yeah. And uh, you would buy these big rolls of film and this thing, I can't remember how many frames per second it shot, but it was fast. It was to capture the golfer's swing as they went through the motion so you could freeze it at every uh, step of the swing. Interesting. They couldn't just do that with like normal 35? The... It just wasn't moving fast enough. Okay. You know, a motor drive would be like at that time like five frames a second. Okay. This Holter was probably closer to 60 frames at the time and it's an, an old school mechanical oh, yeah. camera i mean there was it looked like one of those old uh movie cameras with a reel on top and the reel on the bottom and you would hit the shutter and film would fly through this thing and you would burn through yards and yards and yards of film in, in no time and uh it would come in these little silver canisters yeah and i would sit there and i would pull out five frames at a time and i would cut off the uh you know the blank frames in the beginning and at the end and i would count them out and I would label all the contact sheets and I would just sleeve sheets and sheets and sheets of transparencies. Wow. So each one would be labeled with who it was. Oh, you know, Tiger Woods, face on, swing one, swing two, sheet one, you know, all that stuff. Um, and I also filed a lot of our 35 millimeters um, mounted uh, slides as well. Okay. So that was a big thing. And that was pretty much what I did for like the first year I was there. It was just handled film, um, didn't really do much of anything else with the magazine. That's pretty cool that you get to see a lot of different photographers work. Even though it's in negatives, it must be kind of interesting just to see kind of what comes in and like even just like how much they're shooting, what they're shooting. Uh, you feel like you kind of learned a lot just doing even this, that stuff. You know, I, I guess at the time I didn't feel like I was learning a lot. It just felt like I was doing this job. It was very... I, I got into the zen of it. You get into a, a rhythm and a motion of you cut this, you sleeve that part. You cut there, you sleeve it. You cut, you yeah, sleeve, yeah. You, you label it, next sheet. Yeah. Do the same thing over and over. And I would, you know, hours I would be doing this. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, at the time it didn't really feel like I was like learning anything mm -hmm. about photography or about golf for that matter. I was just doing, like I said, bottom rung stuff, um, yeah. alphabetizing 35 millimeter slides um it's important stuff man that stuff it, it that certainly stuff it certainly done. is because um you know one thing i did realize through this was or well, wasn't at the time but a little bit after this um captions are very important you know we take it for granted now with digital cameras metadata is pretty much pumped into the file already timing maybe even a location you know, we have uh, photo mechanic. We can add very detailed captions about who, what, when, where, why. Yeah. Um, you can't really do that with a slide. You have to manually write it somewhere. And uh, if you don't do it and you pull that slide up 
a month later, a day, you know, two days later, you're not going to remember what's going on. Yeah. So I got, you know, kind of early on, I realized that that information was important, especially surrounding the film. Yeah. And even just having like, uh, the more, once you get into like the professional realm, when you're shooting a lot, even like magazine, like just managing all the photos you have is, it is an important, I didn't realize this until like, I was like a few years into my career because managing that library of photos you have is important because it's going to make you money and you want to be efficient. And I can only imagine that a magazine like you guys, do you, do you guys have a large library of photos you, you pull from sometimes or is it kind of? So, um, golf magazine has moved, uh, maybe about whew, eight dozen times. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm exaggerating. Uh, we've moved quite a bit in the past, yeah. I guess, you know, since I've worked there the past about 15 years. Um, and each time we move, it seems like I this the film collection has to be culled a little bit more and a little bit more because we either have left space or nowhere to store it and you know it's kind of the the sob story of what we've gone through for a while but um hmm. we used to have a massive film collection I mean our staff photographers went to every event and shot everything for us hmm. um and probably at one point there was 500,000 slides and transparencies in the collection and <laughs> You know, everything from random golf balls and clubs to portraits to tournaments to, oh, God, feature stories. Um, it stacks up quick. It really does. And, you know, again, having to manually go through stuff and, and look for things was, um, you know, getting difficult for a, a skeleton crew to mm -hmm. do. Yeah, that's interesting. And I guess just to kind of go back, like you're interning at Golf Magazine and like you're going to school for like graphic design. Um, like at that point, did were you kind of just learning about photography on your own? Like were you paying attention to like other magazines or like kind of studying it? Or, or how did you kind of start to learn more about photography? Uh, man, I guess definitely through experience on the job. Mm -hmm. um, my my bosses, um, the photo editor and the assistant photo editor were really, um, helpful in knowing that I didn't know that much about photography at the time, or at least a very, you know, basic knowledge of it. Um, so they were, you know, patient enough with me. I mean, obviously I screwed up a bunch and they got frustrated, but you know, that's part of learning a new, new skill and a new craft. Um, it was right around the time that um, they they let the photo editor go and the assistant photo editor moved up that they gave me the opportunity to come in as the assistant photo editor. Oh, wow. The one caveat was that I would have to come full-time. I couldn't do a part-time internship anymore. I'd have to be a full-time employee. Because you, you were going to school still. I was going to school at the time for graphic design. So I had to make that... I, I, what I felt was a tough decision at the time, but looking back on it, it was a no-brainer. I wow. mean, I had an opportunity to get a full-time job in an industry that at the time appeared to be growing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Laugh about that now, but um, so I took it. I, I, you know, I left school, I didn't graduate, and I moved into photo editing full-time. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it just shows like you have a genuine interest in something, like pe people will be kind of receptive to, to, that, to that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that was right, I think right when I came on as a, as a staff member of the magazine was when I really decided like, I'm just going to sponge it up. I'm going to absorb as much as I can, learn as much as I can, study as much as I can. Um, and like I said, you know, going back to before this, I'd always noticed images and I'd seen images of Irving Penn and all these famous photographers, again, never really making the connection that like, 
other than wow that's a beautiful photograph like that's cool mm-hmm. and then I, it's a it's a passing feeling and it, I, back at that time was when i really said now i have to start noticing this stuff so i really started learning about cameras um and just kind of by myself i mean i, I already had a basic idea of how to work a camera i mean that was that kind of came out of high school mm-hmm. um but really kind of throwing myself into what makes a good image? Why is image A better than image B, even though they're similar frames? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot more to it, oh, <laughs> a lot yeah. more to photo editing than that, but um, yeah, that was so, kind of how it started. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, because I think the term photo editing is such like a broad term. It's like, but like, how would you describe like what a photo editor does? I'm sure it's like changed over time since you've been doing this, but like, how would you describe yeah. like w- what does a photo editor do and like what do you think like makes a good photo editor in your mm. mind? It's a good question. Yeah. Um, so I push pixels around yeah. everywhere. Uh, <laughs> and that's an oversimplification, but um, that's a lot of what I'm doing is moving files around. Um, I guess maybe the best way to explain a photo editor is a crazy person. <laughs> you you need to have your fingers in kind of a lot of different pots. I mean, at least for me, I've... Um, when when I was assistant photo editor, I worked with the photo editor, so we were kind of a team. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we um, played to each other's strengths and weaknesses, and we were able to really take care of business together. Mm. Um, when she left and I became the photo editor, I was on my own. Yeah. I had nobody to lean on, so I had to learn the financial aspect of it. I had to learn the legal aspect of it. I had to learn the technical aspect of it. Um, there was, there's a lot more to it than just finding a photographer and then sending them on an assignment. Yeah. You know, you have to meet with the editorial team, talk about ideas. What are we going to put in this issue? How are we going to get it? Who's giving us time for photo shoots or for a story? Mm-hmm. Um, and then taking those ideas that are just talked about in a meeting and find the right photographer for the job, um, give them the brief, explain to them what we need. And sometimes it's like, hey, go out and make me a pretty picture. And other times it's it's a very specific editorial need. You know, hey, you have to leave negative space for this amount of type. Or, hey, the headline needs to seem like he's shouting it out of his mouth, so you need to frame the, you know. So there's a lot to the brief um, mm-hmm. explaining what we need. Um, I think a lot of photographers would love to just go off and do what they 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 want to do, which is totally fine. But it may not fit the magazine feel or the article feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important to kind of take the to as boring as these meetings are to take these ideas out of them and find and for me to find a way to kind of uh, relay that to the photographer or maybe even the subject as well um, on what we're trying to accomplish here and what the end goal would be. Um, but yeah, there's uh, I'd, I'd probably for the people out there that thinks it's a very exciting job, there are definitely times where it gets very exciting and very fun and cool. Yeah. Um, maybe with who the subject is or what the uh, topic is that um, we're going to be covering. Mm. Um, but a lot of it is just kind of busy, boring office work. You know, it's a lot of emailing, mm-hmm. lots of financial stuff yeah man you know talking about contracts and things like that um budget 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 budget. (laughs) yeah unfortunately that's a big uh a big hot button issue with everybody but um you know we all wish we had 
unlimited budgets to do whatever we want, but that's obviously not the case. Yeah. You know, one thing I've always been curious about, because I've never worked at a magazine internally, is like, how do stories usually come about? I mean, I'm sure it's different with every magazine, but like, when you see an article about like uh, Ernie Els or Tiger Woods, like, where do those stories usually come from? Is it the editor himself? Does the photo department get much input? Does it kind of vary from story to story? But how do the how do the stories usually come about from month to month? Um, well, only speaking from my experience at Golf Magazine, um, it can kind of come around uh, for a variety of different ways. Um, sometimes it's an editor that says, hey, I got the scoop on a story. Um, sometimes it's a writer that says, I've been working on this thing for a while. Can we talk about some ideas? Um, you know, Golf Magazine's a monthly magazine, so we plan as far in advance as we can. Um, you know, we know what's happening three months down the road, four months down the road. And, you know, editorial schedules change, stories, you know, aren't relevant anymore, or something big happens that is relevant that needs to go into that issue. So things are always changing, um, but we try to be as, as planned out as we can. Um, so, yeah, sometimes it'll just be a, a themed issue. You know, we have a specific issue that always falls in March. And so we know that specific stories and specific photo shoots are going to be happening for that issue. Um, but yeah, a lot of the times it just, it's just kind of born out of an editorial meeting. The, the top editor, the editor-in-chief, uh, the managing editor, um, someone from the creative side of the magazine, uh, you know, an art director or a creative director, uh, maybe the writer's involved as well. But a lot of the times these stories are pitched and kind of developed and polished a little bit. And then we have meetings, 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 meetings over it and really try to hone our ideas down. So someone wants to go do a story about this golfer in Chicago. Mm. Okay, why are we doing it for that issue? Could we do it now and save it for another issue? Does it have, you know, what are we gonna do? Is their space boring? Can we get them somewhere? You know, there's, so we talk about all these things. We talk it to death probably. Um, but it's better because then I can take all this information from our collective minds at the magazine and use that to find the right photographer. I, I always joke that I kind of play matchmaker. I have to find the right photographic personality to match up with the assignment personality. Okay. Um, and uh, then it's, uh, it's about expressing how I want the job done. I listen to their input. I always love when I have an idea of what I want done and the photographer might say, hey, what if we try this? What if we do this? And I love getting that because that makes me look good when they come back with some extra great images that we weren't expecting yeah um and it makes them look good because i sing their praises back to my colleagues and everything so yeah it's um, like a, it's a collaboration oh absolutely absolutely it's definitely nobody's on an island in yeah. this job um we all really try to work hard to try to work together to really accomplish a goal yeah one thing i was kind of curious about asking is like being that you're covering golf like one topic it, does it does it start do you start to like run out of ideas or do you feel like it's just constantly like evolving like the sport of golf because that's like being like if you were this like the new york times covers everything mm -hmm. under the sun but like you guys are like a niche like what are what do you enjoy about working like in one subject and what are kind of some of the challenges you think you think of just covering one thing i mean i think that's it right there it's it's covering one thing um it Definitely, there are times where it feels a little boring and a little um, repetitive. I yeah. mean, how many times can you see somebody in a finished swing position? You know, not that much before you're like, okay, whatever, I don't care anymore. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I try to 
mix it up as much as I can um, by, again, playing matchmaker and finding maybe someone that I didn't think of at first to send to a job. Um, You know, if we need a kind of more introspective, dark portrait, maybe it's about somebody coming out of, uh, I'm just using this as an example, it's not a real thing, somebody's coming out of addiction or something like that and they're trying to get their life right with golf. You know, I probably am not going to send someone who has a lot of humor in their work. You know, I want someone that can have a bit of a uh, a more introspective tone or maybe a darker tone, something like that. Um, so, but then again, you know, I could send someone that's to- that I don't expect that I just say, hey, you know what, I'm going to take a chance and do something different. And the results are unexpected and fresh. Yeah. So that's how I try to keep it unique. Um, you know, the other thing about that is... Uh, because magazines typically have set sections throughout, I mean, there's usually an opening section and a feature well and, you know, the fashion section or, you know, something like that, something along those lines. Um, You really have to work hard to try to make things different. I mean, you know, one example that I have is in Golf Magazine, we have a swing sequence. We have a golfer that takes a swing with a club. There's 16 frames. It's the exact same layout every time. It's the same feel. It's basically the same photos, even though it's different golfers. Uh, month in, month out, same, same, same. And people, so, people love that stuff because the people that are reading it, they're, they're like, "How do I, how do I quit shanking it?" <laughs> it's it's uh, it's one of the more popular pages in the magazine. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And like before you started interning and photo editing at Golf Magazine, did you were you a fan of golf? Did you have any knowledge of it prior to getting into it? Other than, you know, my gr- swinging my grandparents' clubs in their garage and stuff like that. No, golf was never on my radar yeah. in the beginning. Never even didn't really care about it. And uh, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't actually say this. I'm, I'm not a golfer. I don't golf. <laughs> I have other interests outside of golf yeah, yeah. and photography that I like to pursue. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I've, I've learned so much through osmosis just picking it up. Um, I could probably give a golf lesson if I needed to, even though I don't play. Um, how do I get my grip right? Yeah, (laughs) I could probably give you a few pointers. Um, but, uh, you know, that's not to say I don't like the sport. I mean, I certainly enjoy going to the driving range or a chip and putt or mini golf um, just as much as I like going to a batting cage. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say that it's probably not a, a prerequisite, although, I'm definitely in the minority at my office of golfers. Okay, so a lot of people at the office are big golfers? Oh my god, yeah. I mean, they must, it's... They must be losing their shit this week, Ryder Cup and everything. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, we got a lot of staff out there this week, and uh, they're working hard to uh, deliver some great content online. Mm. And um, hopefully it's going to be exciting. I mean, people really love the Ryder Cup because it's... Golf is an individual sport. Yeah. You know, it's you competing against the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Ryder Cup is team-based. You know, you actually have something to get behind. It's not just an individual to get behind. And, of course, it's very nationalistic with the U.S. versus Europe. But um, it's uh, people really, really dig it. And it's, a, it's an exciting format with the match play as well. It's not just yeah. who has the least amount of strokes. Yeah, golf, golf's interesting. Like, I started shooting a little bit. And the thing I think is cool about it is it lends itself to so many different types of photography you can do with it. Because even like look at your magazine, for example, obviously you do a lot of nice portraits, but then you do product photography, Mm -hmm. you do the action stuff. And then like golf can turn into like 
um, like the photographer we were talking about earlier, you can do almost like landscapes of mm-hmm. these nice. Cause, totally. So it kind of it must be fun. It's kind of working on that and getting to work with so many different styles of photographers, be it still life, portrait. It's kind of a broad range of things. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I kind of need to know a little bit of everything. Yeah. And I don't I don't think I'm a master in everything. Um, but I, I need to kind of be able to switch my hats pretty quickly and go between say editing a British open take to uh, talking with a photographer about photographing some golf clothes or maybe some golf clubs and then shifting gears again and trying to find the most beautiful picture of a course in North Dakota. Yeah. Um, And then shifting gears again and going back to finding a portrait of a golfer or, you know, uh, producing a portrait with a photographer of a golfer that's going to lead off the magazine or, Mm you know, hey, we have this cover idea. How are we going to get this guy out of his hat? Everyone wants to wear their hats because of their sponsor. How are we going to get him out of his hat to accomplish this goal? So I have to shift gears quite a bit um, in the golf world. Mm. Um, And that keeps me on my toes. Definitely does. Yeah, that's interesting. And, like, yeah, I was actually kind of curious about that with, like, the cover shoot. Um, how do you feel it is, how does that differ from this, like a normal, like in the magazine shoot, like what kind of goes into a cover and is there like any challenges that differ from like a cover shoot versus this your normal article that's just going to be in the mag or how do you guys kind of approach like month to month? Cause I saw you'll, sometimes you'll do like studio portraits on the cover. Sometimes you'll do action stuff. Um, how do those decisions kind of get made? Um, again, that's that's all kind of born out of these these editorial meetings that we have when we talk about what content we want, um, what the writing's going to be about. Um, you know, it's uh, hmm. you know, obviously, when you tell a photographer that this is a cover shoot, they I don't want to say put more effort into it because it's a cover, but it certainly weighs on everybody's mind that this is the cover of the magazine. The oh, first yeah. image that anybody's going to see when they touch it is the cover. So they still hold weight. They still matter, I think. Mm. Um, I don't think I really treat shoots differently. Mm. Like, if, for example, if we have a portrait shoot for the cover and then a portrait shoot for, let's just say, an, a, a standard feature in the yeah, magazine yeah. or something, I don't necessarily approach it differently other than saying this is a feature, this is a cover. Mm. Um, I still want my photographers t- to push and again, make me happy with what they're doing. Uh, I'm not saying that they have to be subservient, but, you know, it's um, it's the same. You know, I, I try to approach every photo shoot the same. Yeah, it makes sense. You just want to have a strong image at the end of the day. Absolutely. It's something you can use that's strong. And, you know, being that you guys are shooting golf, do you, when you hire photographers, do you think it's important for them to have a knowledge of golf or not so much? Or how does that kind of play into it, you think? Well, you know, it certainly helps to have knowledge of your subject matter, um, whether it's the personality that you're photographing or the actual game of golf. I mean, you you know how to play. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we discussed this when when you came to visit me in my office is, uh, you know, you can always tell when there's a model doing sports that isn't an athlete yeah you know they're a model and it just you know it may look kind of right but not quite right so again it's that knowledge uh, that background knowledge of what's going on and what you're doing um i wouldn't say that it's a prerequisite to be a golfer or have golf knowledge to to shoot for the magazine yeah but it doesn't hurt it certainly doesn't hurt um you know i don't want a photographer showing up to a, a shoot with you know dustin johnson and being like 
who are you? Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's no, that's not not a good good look. But um, yeah, I think it's like I I, I started shooting. Um, I came up. I, I shoot. I uh, shot skateboarding a lot coming up, mm-hmm. and I think there is like a. I guess it's kind of leans towards to like sports, but having a base knowledge of like how someone should like do a trick on a skateboard because there's like not that there's like a right way to shoot it but there is like a way to present the trick in a way that is like you can tell what they're doing and i think you can kind of make that comparison with like golf like there's some certain way to like show someone how they're swinging or i even had the conversation with a baseball photographer he's like yeah you wouldn't shoot it this way because if this would this look weird you know absolutely yeah absolutely yeah it's uh, maybe there's not a right way to photograph something but there's definitely a best way to photograph something yeah and having background knowledge of hey if he's going to do a kickflip that way i can't be standing on his left side i'll get his back i need to stand exactly on his right you know so there's definitely that kind of inherent knowledge that comes with it um hmm. But a lot of it's common sense, too. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think everybody's probably seen somebody swing a club at some point in their life. So it's not that far-fetched to yeah. understand the mechanics of a golf swing. Definitely. Um, yeah. There's a, there's, hmm. Yeah, it's definitely helpful to have that background knowledge, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one thing I was kind of interested in, because in, I know, like, a lot of photographers listening to this, and I'm sure um, you get contacted by photographers all the time. Um, what is it that you're looking for when new photographers reach out to you? What kind of piques your interest, like, when someone fresh is kind of reaching out to you for the first time? What is it you're hoping to see from them, I guess? Well, I um, I always try to get to meet photographers. I think that's probably the most important part. I mean, a mailer tells me a little bit about who you are, an email tells me a little bit about who you are, looking on your Instagram page tells me a little bit more about who you are, looking at your website tells me a little bit more. But meeting someone in person and shooting the shit with them for a moment and kind of seeing where their head's at and stuff like that, I feel like that's more valuable than than mailers and Mm. and other things. Um, Not to say that it's not important, but it's definitely I, like I like meeting someone face to face. That's why I, I kind of insisted that we do this podcast face to face. I didn't want to do it over the phone because yeah. it just feels more natural and it feels like it's less of a business transaction and more of like a personal connection. Yeah, and you're going to see how they're going to communicate when they're photographing. Like you hire someone to photograph some big time golfer, you want to know that they they know how to talk to people, and it's not mm-hmm. going to be awkward on set true, or something. True. It's like uh, I think that's like half thing, especially with shooting people. Is just, yeah knowing how to communicate your ideas and because I'm sure a lot of times with these shoots with these big guys you probably don't get a lot of time right (laughs) (laughs) like you know we're lucky when we get half an hour with some of these people um some of the times we'll arrange extra time um a lot of the times the photographers will just ask for extra time and they get it because they're good people and they know how to kind of work a work a shoot um I hate it when we have very little time because usually there's 25 million things that we need to cover. Hey, we need a cover portrait and we need a instruction story. We also got to shoot their bag and we also need to do this other thing. And hey, let's get a portrait of him doing this for this section. And it's like, we only have 30 minutes. Like we, we something has to give and we're going to have to drop something from the lineup um, just because usually they don't 
really want to be there just as much as yeah, yeah, yeah. anybody. <laughs> they just want to go home and, you know, yeah, put up their feet or something and have a beer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think those shoots, it's just like preparation, preparation pretty mm-hmm. much. Cause Definitely. Like, yeah, you don't get that much time. But um, I guess one thing I was curious about with like being a photo editor, when you hire a photographer to shoot a job for you, do you prefer to see like a large edit that they turn into you? Do you prefer prefer to see like a smaller edit that they've kind of retouch of their selects or does it kind of vary from photographer to photographer how do you what do you prefer you think um it definitely would vary not only between photographer and photographer but job to job Mm -hmm. um if i'm sending someone to cover a tournament um i usually just say send me everything um even you know the, the misfires and the bad frames like just send it to me because i'm not gonna keep those but i still want to see i want to see what you were thinking where you were going what your settings were and you know just just for knowledge of myself i I try to put myself in the in the photographer's shoes if it's a portrait shoot you know i might let them do an edit and take out the the blinks and the weird you know nose pick shots and stuff like that but typically i probably like to see more photos i mean this just goes back to me when i was younger i just love looking at photography yeah and even you know looking through a shoot there might be a lot of crap in there and that's fine i don't i don't mind seeing that um because you know with some stories you might only be looking for that one gem that's all you need is that one frame for the portrait for this story yeah um so i love looking through photographs and and editing photographers work Mm um and the other thing is too uh we have an archive and I tend to keep a little bit more than what we need for the stories just so we can always go back and say, hey, we have a portrait of that person or we have a photo of their grip that we did three years ago. Yeah. Um, it may not have run in the story at the time, but we have it now and we're able to use it. Yeah. And then like what kind of photos do you find yourself you're assigning most and then what kind of comes into play? Because obviously you guys license photos from, I would imagine, different wire services. Um, when do you, how do you kind of decide what you're going to assign and what's going to be licensed? How does that kind of usually work? Well, I guess the, the biggest umbrella that, that that's under is budget. Okay. Um, you know, there's certainly that to consider. Um, you know, the money is not endless and it certainly needs to be stretched over a year maybe you know we for at least for my magazine i get a yearly budget and i have to stay within that okay um, it doesn't look good on me if i go over that budget even by you a know penny. 50 dollars <laughs> um know. but uh it's that's probably the biggest concern i certainly will start doing research on what's out there and not just to see what's out there to license but also just to see what else has been done if we're getting time with a subject to shoot their portrait and let's just say they're a golf club builder you know they they create golf clubs they've probably been shot in their workshop already doing something techie with the club so I want to see that and know, all right, well, you know, maybe that shot's off limits for us. Maybe we don't want to do that shot because it's already out there. It's been seen. Um, So, but maybe through my searching, I'll find another photographer who's already done this project before or something similar. And I can maybe email them or contact them and say, hey, I'd love to license your photo. In which case, I'm kind of off the hook on assigning that. We have a piece of art that fits the story and it's keeps me on budget as well Mm. um if i don't see some stuff that i'm looking for 
you know, I'll start thinking about assigning it. What region is it in? What's the mood of the story, the feel? Um, is it golf instruction? Is it a portrait? Is it still life? Um, is it a landscape? You know, that type of stuff. And all that really kind of comes into play um, independent. And I'm not saying I always start doing research to see what's out there. Yeah. You know, if we're getting unique time with a unique subject to do something unique, I am going to trip over myself to get a photographer there to get some unique bits of art. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's always just kind of interesting. I'm always curious how that kind of works out. And, uh, you know, one thing I, I was really excited to talk to you about looking at your website, you've done some really cool photos. You even got the chance to photograph Gary player <laughs> yourself. Yeah. I love the photos. It's a really classic, uh, black and white photo for like this, uh, like a legend of the he's, game. He's a classy guy. Yeah. How, how did that kind of come about? Was that something you shot for the magazine, uh, yourself or what was that? Yeah, all about? that was just, um, so, you know, kind of going backtracking a little bit is uh when I became the assistant photo editor and I kind of threw myself back into learning more about photography is I started shooting more myself um back in high school I did a lot of shooting and then I kind of fell out of it through college and then I got back into it again and um that's when I started shooting more for myself and I don't necessarily consider myself a professional photographer I just you know going back to the idea of like, I just love photography and I love creating images and I love looking at images and I love talking about photography with people. And yeah. it's just, it's, it's a love of mine. And, uh, so throughout the years, you know, not only learning more about how to shoot, but also how to shoot a still life or how to shoot a portrait. Um, these are all things that I absorbed on the job. And so the Gary player portrait was actually, it wasn't even a planned thing. He was coming into the office to do a video interview, and um, I think we, the video got, the video producer needed a few portraits to run within the video, mm. and he just kind of like grabbed me by the collar and dragged me downstairs with my camera, and I just kind of hung around, and in between takes, I took a few shots, and... Hell yeah, the man. The rest is history, you, I guess. You got Gary Player in the building. You got to get some photos. Definitely, uh, definitely. Yeah, he challenged everyone to sit-up contests and <laughs> feats of strength and everything. It was hilarious. Did you see him? He was on the ESPN The Body Issue a couple years ago. That guy, he, I read his workout routine is like insane. Like he does like a couple, I think almost like a thousand push-ups a day or something. Like it was crazy. He's, he's no joke. If you ever get a chance, if anybody out there ever gets a chance to meet him, I highly recommend it. He's a character and he'll probably invite you to punch him in the stomach yeah uh yeah definitely that guy's awesome um and you know obviously uh you also do uh, golf.com you deal with the magazine um how does the photos on the website and social media how does that kind of play do you guys just kind of pull from photos uh from different shoots or is it just kind of a different thing for you guys yeah well um pretty much Everything that's in the magazine will end up online at some point. Um, usually after the magazine hits newsstands, which is like when it's out there in the world, is when my colleagues at golf.com will start pulling in those articles to their systems, uh, slicing them up so they fit online, um, using the photos that we used in the magazine, maybe a few of the outtakes that we didn't use in the magazine. Um, and then they start creating those uh, stories for the, for the, I'm sorry, for the website. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And uh, I know from talking to you a few weeks ago, um, the magazine was recently sold. So it's kind of a new owner. Um, how do you feel like that's going to, you think like the style of the magazine is going to change or what's your kind of feeling on how things are going to move forward? 
Um, so, yep. So, Golf Magazine was once upon a time with uh, Time Inc. as a publishing company, and they got swallowed by Meredith. And um, Golf Magazine was bought just around the time of uh, the, the, this, uh, that Meredith had bought Time Inc. So, I think technically I was a Meredith employee for like two days or something, <laughs> and then I became uh, an employee of the new company, uh, Emigrant Bank, which now owns Golf Magazine. Um, it's, it's, it's a new change. I don't necessarily think it's, it's good or bad. I mean, I mean, it's great, but in terms of it changing, I don't know how much things are going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have some big plans for the future that I don't really want to get into right so, now, but I, I want to entice everybody po- by saying po- podcast 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> I want to entice everybody by saying that there are some, some big plans coming down the pipe for golf magazine. And I think people are really going to enjoy it. Um, I don't want to divulge too much yet though. No, nah, that's exciting. It's like, uh, the magazine business is wild. Like it, it, in the last few years, like so many companies just moving and changing. Yeah, I'm just excited to see where things go. Cause like, well, I feel like magazines are always going to be around. Like what's your take? I, I mean, obviously a lot of things go to tabulate and I seen like, uh, I saw popular science went from a monthly, now they're quarterly. Uh, how do you, where do you see like the magazine business going in the future? You think they're always going to be around? Hmm. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, I think magazines and newspapers will always be around. I think, you know, when everyone says print is dead, I feel like that's such a false narrative. Yeah. Um, I don't think print is ever going to die. It's certainly, it feels like every day it inches closer and closer <laughs> to extinction. But um, I think people still really enjoy holding something in their hand, especially if it's a good quality publication. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I remember reading the Sunday paper after my dad read it and, you know, you get the ink on your hands and, you know, you'd have to go wash your hands after the paper. And it was like something was kind of left behind that made you think about it. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, maybe golf magazine's not going to be around forever. Maybe the, you know, the Sunday, whatever is not going to be around forever. But I think that there will always be room for a printed publication that people will, will want and seek out. And I think that if you're someone who does want that, you'll find it and you'll, you'll get it somehow. Um, there certainly is this giant push to get everything into a digital form, um, which is understandable. That's just how we consume media these days. Very little of it is actually read off a, a piece of paper. Um, but like I said, I think if you have a good quality product, yeah, um, people will seek you out and people will, will want it. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm not going to say that they're going to be breaking down your door like gangbusters to get the latest issue, but you know, I think the, I think the desire to have it is there. Yeah, definitely, I agree. And uh, you know, looking at you've been at Golf Magazine, I think what uh, over ten years now. Oh yeah, almost fifteen. Which is amazing. Like not even just for magazine business, but just for any job nowadays. It seems like everybody's careers kind of people jump around a lot more. What do you think it is that's kind of kept you at Golf Magazine? Like what do you what do you enjoy about it, and what kind of keeps you going? You think there? Um. Well, I think my, this is, this is a two-part answer. I think my longevity at the magazine was born out of wanting to make something out of it. Um, I don't, I never wanted to be the gopher that just said, okay, let's, you know, do this, let's do this, let's do this, let's do it, just be, so I could be around. Um, I think I made it a habit of 
saying yes to things because I knew I could find a way to accomplish them. And, you know, my, my bosses probably kept me around maybe because there's no one else, but maybe because of my drive, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll have to ask, uh, ask my boss about that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I said it before, I love photography and, you know, golf is not necessarily in the forefront of my mind as a sport, but I can certainly appreciate the beauty in almost all genres of photography. Um, you know, not everything is my cup of tea, not everything is your cup of tea, but I think that as photographers in a photo industry, we can certainly appreciate the effort and the beauty that goes into a wide variety of different works. Yeah, no, definitely, I agree. There's like a ton of photographers who's like, work I don't particularly like but I still respect it a lot because you could just look at the craft and you can tell whatever they're photographing like fashion photography I could really care less about fashion photography mm -hmm. but I can respect like looking at someone's work who've put like decades of years into it you know and it's like the thing it's really cool why I kind of asked that I think it's just interesting that you started off from an intern and you just kind of worked your way up like it just shows like patience and you keep building those skill sets that you don't know where you can go now now you're running the show man yeah yeah I wish uh, I wish I had more responsibilities in running the show but uh yeah that's you know it's uh I think game game recognize game and and going back to the ideas that you may not in in necessarily enjoy fashion photography but you know the struggles and and the hustle that it, it takes to kind of get to that point mm. and I think that's where that respect is born out of and you know I, I just I just love photography. I love being around it. It's it's just so much fun. Yeah, definitely, man. And uh, before we started this, I was talking to you a little bit. You're involved with the Eddie Adams Workshop, which uh, how would you, how would you describe what is the Eddie Adams Workshop, and how did you kind of become involved with it? Man, um, so I don't know when this podcast is going to be released, but um, the Eddie Adams Thirty One Workshop is about to start next week. Wow. Um, so this will be my second year as a team editor. Yeah. Um, how would I describe it? In one word, heaven. <laughs> heaven, or maybe Nirvana, or uh, or Eden would be a good one too. Oh, okay. um, it's uh, so for for people that don't know, it's a photojournalism workshop that was started by um, famous AP photographer Eddie Adams. Mm -hmm. uh, it's run on his property up in upstate New York, and now it's run by his um, uh, uh, wife Alyssa and um, uh, Miriam Evers, who also um, is a big, big player in it. Yeah. And uh, it's a bunch, uh, it's 100 students. Um, no, I'm sorry. It's 50 students and 50 early professionals with, I think, less than five years experience working um, that get selected to be part of this um, workshop. They get divided into 10 teams. Each team gets an editor, a producer, and a leader. And it's up to the, the three team faculty members, the editor, leader, and producer, to come up with some assignments for them. And uh, when they show up, they don't know what to expect. They know it's a great place for creativity. Um, there's speakers, um, like amazing speakers. Uh, and it's just like if you love photography like most of most everyone listening to this podcast does. <laughs> yeah. It is the probably the greatest place on earth. It's just you're surrounded by creativity. Everyone wants to see everyone do good, mm. um, and it's not and it's not a, a teaching workshop in the sense of this is how you use your camera. It's more about how to see, how to feel, 
Um, it's about learning how to work within this industry, working with an editor or a producer, uh, working with a subject that you have no knowledge about. Um, these uh, these young young um, students and young professionals show up not knowing what they're going to get into. Um, we do, the teams get doled out their assignments, and they could be going to a junkyard to photograph uh, the guy that owns a junkyard mm -hmm. or. Um, maybe they go to a motorbike racetrack and they photograph the people there. Uh, it could be a portrait assignment. It could be more repetage. It could be still life, maybe. I don't know. Um, but basically, we throw them to the fire. And we they're already coming in at a very high level. Everybody's really, really good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we hold them to an even higher level. Um, we tell them that this is the place to fuck up and make mistakes because you're surrounded by people who want to help you fix those mistakes so that when you do leave the workshop and you do go work for the Washington Post or AARP or Golf Magazine, you know how to deal with the editors, you know how to work with the subject, and you, you have this experience coming out of the workshop that kind of gives you this knowledge. That's pretty cool. What do you think you, you kind of get out of it um, doing it, and like, what do you enjoy about it you think most? I love teaching. Oh, really? I really, really like teaching. Um, I don't think I'm that great at it, but um, again, I like being in the mix and, and helping people who maybe don't have as much experience as me gain that, that knowledge. So maybe one day they're going to become the next Dan Winters or the next Robert Beck or something. Um, it could happen. Yeah. Uh, no, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I've always seen photos of it. It just seems like a really unique environment because they bring like all these like veteran guys in. And it, I've never seen anything like it. I, I, it seems just probably. Do you kind of leave that weekend just feeling like motivated, even just being on? Because even being you around mean, these young guys that are this like they're just learning, but it's still it's got to be exciting. You have no idea. It's like <laughs> a, a jolt of ten thousand million jolts of electricity. <laughs> I mean, I think everybody leaves there with a renewed sense of creativity and camaraderie and a whole slew of new connections. I mean, that's a lot of what it's about, too, is kind of making connections and meeting mm -hmm. these industry leaders and these great photographers. Um, you know, something that the Eddie Adams Workshop does is called the 1130 Club, which is a portfolio review where all the team leaders, all the team editors, all the team producers, all the speakers, they sit down in the, in the ballroom of the hotel and people just rotate around. It's like speed dating. Damn. And, you know, one minute you could be chatting with John Moore, getting your portfolio review. And then the next minute you're talking with someone from BuzzFeed about your portfolio. And then the next minute you're talking with someone else. And it's just, it's a great experience to network and show your work and talk with, with again, the, all these industry leaders. Um, that's why I say it's like, it's heaven. It's yeah. heaven for a photographer. Yeah, man, that's exciting. I look forward to hearing more about that after your trip coming up here in a week. It should be pretty cool. Um, but I guess just to kind of wrap up, I guess like, uh, obviously the photography business, as you know, is like crazy, like budgets are going that's up for sure. down. Like what kind of keeps you going and like, what kind of keeps you excited? And like, is there anything you're like kind of hoping to work on in the future? Um, so, you know, having a steady paycheck is definitely a good, uh, good thing to change. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's definitely, you know, fear of not having a job is definitely a good motivator. Um, definitely. But, uh, you know, again, I, I, I love photography. I really, you know, I may not be the biggest golf fan in the world, but I love what I do. I yeah. really do. 
um, because like I said, I get to kind of shift into in and out of different genres of photography, um, all with the single goal in mind of, of creating a magazine and creating a product that people want to read and want to look at and then want to come back next month and do the same thing. Um, I try to keep things fresh and, and unique, um, even though we have very a very structured skeleton of how the magazine's supposed to look. Um, but, you know, and, and it's just... It's just that it's a fun thing to do. Hell yeah, you man. Know, there's always a, a fun thing to do. And, it, you know, when I get burnt out on golf, I go and look at some photography books or I go to a gallery or I go to a museum, um, you know, and try to separate my mind from that for a little bit so I can come back in a little bit fresher. And then in terms of what is planned for the future, I mean, I I kind of alluded to it a little bit that we have some big changes coming at, uh, at the magazine. Um, I'm really, really excited about what that means. And I, and I wish I could tell more but people are gonna have to wait until right. february to find out oh man Which, yeah it's a, it's a bit of a wait it's a bit of a wait it'll be here before you know it and um um the magazine's gonna gonna be fresher than ever and it's gonna be really unique and i think people are really gonna dig it that's exciting man um i'm pumped over here man it's hearing it uh but jesse man thanks so much for taking the time to, to do this and i guess uh where's the best place for people to check out your work because i know you, I, I know you're on instagram you post some cool stuff up there and uh definitely i'd say would probably be uh instagram would be the best place it's yeah. uh j writer photos so j r e i t e r p h o t o and that's on instagram and I'm going to do a shameless plug as well for the Golf Magazine Instagram. It's Golf Mag Photo. Go check it out. I could use some followers. I expect everybody listening to uh, to follow and all do right. all that fun stuff. Um, I try to post up as much as I can, but I am only one man, so I'll, I'll link a little it. slow. <laughs> I'll, I'll link it, and people can go check it out. But thanks so much, Jesse. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. So there you have it. That was the Jesse Ryder interview. I want to thank Jesse so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him about all his work at Golf Magazine and kind of hearing a little bit more about how the inside of a magazine works. I know I learned a lot and really kind of appreciated hearing his perspective on the photography industry. Hope you guys enjoyed it too. Um, Definitely go check out Jesse's Instagram, uh, jwriterphoto on Instagram, as well as the uh, Golf Mag Photo Instagram account. He's posting um, different things they're working on at the mag, different photo shoots and whatnot. So definitely go check that out. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.